0: Hi,
1: si. Hey, Carly.
0: How you doing?
1: Yes. Not bad. Not bad. God, I have, it's been a while since you've been on the podcast.
0: It's been a while. Excited to be here for our second season of Employer Brands. Do you no, feel
1: like... Uh... I've said
0: it wrong. <laughs> Hang on. I, I'm really excited to be here for Kick-Ass Employer Brands, the podcast season two. There you go. Got it right.
1: And, and, and do you feel like you've been dusting off your podcast cobwebs?
0: yeah I, it, it's not as kind of easy i think the hard part is just just relaxing into it and then overthinking so i just overthought i fluffed up because i'm overthinking what the name of the podcast is yeah because you're just trying to get everything right but actually if you just say look this is just me inside having a chit chat then it kind of you know goes a bit more smoothly what, but
1: what what we need is we need a little reminder in our diaries that goes off like 10 minutes before our chat and says get a and T I you know yeah <laughs> open, open yeah, that beer should, yeah, whatever maybe we
0: should do maybe it over a like, drink over not, an alcoholic but, beverage
1: but anyway yeah um, well, welcome back listeners to, to season two um it's yeah. been awesome to be chatting again and we've got a fab guest coming up today which uh, which is super exciting
0: yeah so we've got uh anka Pintilli, she is the head of marketing and employer branding at uh, amazon europe um so some really um, amazing advice coming up from her for anybody in the employer brand
1: space. Awesome. Very excited to be talking to her. Been looking forward to that one. And um, it's, I mean, it's been a while since we've spoken to the listeners, uh, Carly. What's, what's been going on in, in your life? Any Anything exciting?
0: What's been going on in my life? Well, I've kind of nearly finished an extension. That's kind of boring. Everyone's going <laughs> <isn't
1: they? laughs> Yeah, I'm sure there's loads of listeners going, yep. 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 All the dust around me at uh, the moment.
0: Yeah, you've been doing the garden
1: been doing the garden uh, yeah i mean i moved into a new place it was only like it was less than six months ago and yeah. got a puppy get yeah, found mm. that i had a love of gardening bizarrely never expected Lovely. um
0: have we got an employer brand of the week
1: sorry we have indeed yes we well, have Have you got one i have don't so, I'm so, so, so unprepa- surprised
0: i'm completely unprepared i've got completely one unprepared. okay good i thought season That's two so is bad. going to be like
1: listeners no not at all employer brand employer brand employer brand of the week so yeah the employer brand of the week this week is monzo so i i don't know if you saw um released in the press it was was probably a couple of weeks ago to be fair but monzo kind of came out and said right we're we're ditching away with enforced bank holiday time off for people we believe that actually to be diverse and multicultural people should be able to take that time off whenever they want and it was it was quite a sort of short statement but i kind of thought about it and do you know what you think if you think about just easter for example we've got holidays really sort of based in in christianity right and you know quite quite specific to you know culture and and backgrounds that we're used to here in the uk and actually there's going to be people from many different religions many different backgrounds who have got celebrations they'd like at other times of the year so this idea of being able to take a bank holiday day off on a day other than a bank holiday that is relevant to you actually feels really nice and inclusive um and just, you know, know
0: yeah, I've never even thought about it
1: from that yeah, perspective. Yeah, but, but it's funny, actually, isn't it? It's one you of those say, things. It kind
0: of just think oh, yeah, you kind of just think, yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah.
1: And it, what, what I really like about it is that, you know, we speak to lots of companies about their employer brands. And, you know, a, a lot of the time you hear the same sort of things. People are so proud of their people and their culture and, you know, their flexible working, et cetera. And it's how many companies have like a really... A real sort of differentiator or somewhere they can point to and say look we're we've made some mm. you know steps forward here we're doing something totally different and i think so you know it's so a good on monzo for for doing that because that actually gives them something that they can kind of point to where they are sort of treading some ground um, so yeah i had a lot of respect a lot of respect for that yeah definitely Oh, nice.
0: well, thanks for that one so i'll make sure i'm prepared for the employee brand of the week next time
1: yeah n- note to self carly yeah
0: okay yeah. thank you um so let's get into our chat with anchor So, welcome, Anka, to Employer Brands Podcast. Thank you so much for being our first guest on our second uh, season. So, we'd just love to know a little bit more about you and your background and how you got into employer branding.
2: Sure. Um, so, how did I get into employer branding? I got into employer branding slowly because I used to work for a Brandon um, business consultancy, and um, we used to work with private equity firms, among others. They used to buy businesses, figure out the next steps to revamp the operation, and then ask us to look at the brand. And the brand, we all know, needs to add support to the business in producing value. So one of the main things that we used to look at is people performance, staffing models, profiles, are the profiles aligned, for example, with the next step of the uh, business roadmap? And this was just part of it. Of course, we worked on product brands, personal brands, all sorts of other brands. But people were a core part of this. And where Oracle reached out to me to come in-house and build their employer branding and value, uh, and employer branding and, and uh, recruitment marketing function for EMEA in Asia-Pacific, it just seemed like a natural step for me. Um, and I just stuck with it ever since. It's been, what, eight years now. Wow. And then when you're chatting to your mates, Anka, how do you describe what you do? Well, that's interesting because I think... <laughs> What i do say and i try to start with this which is sounds a bit smarter than the rest of it is i connect people with uh, their future jobs and careers while basically keeping companies honest about their purpose and intentions um and the way i follow this is i say well if you have a company and once you've finished hiring all your friends and family you have to be careful with that one uh, and you move to pitching yourself and your company to strangers. This is when you're basically start going into EVP work, right? Yeah. That's your employee value proposition. And if that doesn't hit the mark, I have a parallel with a birthday party, but we, we don't have to go into that. I'm pretty sure the audience understands employer branding and recruitment marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Love cool. that.
1: Thank you, Anka. And so can can you tell us a little bit about um, the employer brand you're, you're working with currently?
2: I am the head of marketing and employer branding for Amazon Operations. So what that means is basically from the moment you click buy on something on Amazon until that something gets delivered to your door anywhere across Europe, that's Amazon Operations. It's one of the biggest companies within Amazon. I would say it's not as well known as, of course, retail, devices, prime, all the other brands within the Amazon portfolio. But Amazon means, Amazon operations means hundreds of buildings across Europe, um, trains, planes, drones, robotics, data, and a lot of people. We end up hiring a few hundred thousand people annually across Europe. Because, you know, we hire against certain types of contract, uh, certain types of opportunity. You know, there's the, uh, the network is driven by the demand of the users. Sometimes you ramp up, you ramp down. Um, what my team does is basically generates the right amount of awareness and interest and consideration across Europe to staff that network at that level. So it's a volume business. It takes a lot of discipline, a lot of um a lot of data and a lot of focus on brand as well because i mean we all read the news right we're battling perception all the time and it's something that we always it's constantly on our agenda to how do you actually go out and when something comes out that is you know about your brand how do you respond to that how do you show who you are and i think there's a long way still to go but we we're, we're doing the right uh, the right steps into that direction yeah
0: what about talking about i guess the story you said how important it is i guess to stay true to the story how do you go about um you know presenting the company in the
2: right way well you have to know the company first right to be presenting the company in the right way so basically you um in our um from our perspective is going into research, both internally and externally, is to understand the motivations and drivers um, of your candidates. What is the perception of your brand? How does that work against the markets, against the competition? And then also operate internally and come back and say, okay, do we actually know that this, how do we tackle this internally? Do we, are we able to respond to this in some sort of way? So if candidates want us to be flexible, are we able to offer flexibility to candidates? Mm-hmm. So. Any EVP that you're, you're building needs to be, first of all, a system, a very flexible system that can scale up and down. And it needs to be very relevant to the candidates. It needs to be um, you know, supported by the organization. So it needs to be able to be you know, realistic and then to help the business growth. Um, and that's how we do it. I don't think it's any different than any other company that's doing employer branding. Honestly, it's just we do it at scale. So you have some other, um, another challenges that actually, when it comes, when you have such a big footprint when it comes to employees, and you have so many employees across Europe, especially if we're talking about, you know, our colleagues, um, we call our associates, that are working on the floor within most of most of our network, the footprint is huge. So we have to be mindful that we represent clearly and accurately how they feel, their motivations, and they're taking into account as well. So part of us getting to understand where we are and what we need to put to market is plugged into and anchored into the internal research that we're doing through conversations with our associates, trying to understand their motivations, things that make them happy. Was there a gap between what they're expecting and what they're getting within their current job? So that's Everything is getting plugged into our EVP, our employer mm. branding work.
0: Definitely. And then, how much research is too much research? Because you could kind of just, you know, do you, is it a continual cycle for you, or do you draw the line and say, right now, you know, this is the EVP and
2: this is the employee brand? Well, I would say it's really um, depending on your. business and your objective is, do you have the budget to go into, a, you know, full-fledged research or or do you have the capability of capturing feedback um, more organically? Do you need an extensive piece of research or can you afford to experiment and, and just capture that data through trial and error and be way more lean? So if you have a big company, it's probably going to be more resistant to this trial and error and experimentation um, approach. If you're smaller, then, you know, you can fail more often, I would say. So then your research becomes more education. It's you, you know, you go you go live, you, you build your MVP, you go, you build, you measure, you iterate, you learn, you go back into it. And this is how you you, you actually would, I would advise for any smaller company or smaller startup, just go and experiment. Make a few mistakes. It's it's gonna be fine. You're not if you're not so big, you don't need a full on research piece. That is quite yeah. expensive.
1: Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's a challenge, right? Because you can you can drown in data when you go too far down that route. So it's uh, it's just finding that right balance for you, and that, I think that's sound advice that you're sharing there. So I appreciate that. And um, I, I mean, you sound like someone who who kind of really enjoys your job, and you've obviously been doing employer branding for for a while. How how has the industry sort of changed, do you think, in in the time that, that you've been involved?
2: Well, it has changed from being a support function with HR sometimes, or talent acquisition, to actually slowly but surely having a seat at the table. I see now companies, smaller companies that are pulling employer branding professionals or people that have touched on employer branding as board members which is extremely important because basically what employer branding does, it scales with the business and offers you a bond of trust with former employees, current employees, future employees. There's um, I would say there's a, a, there's a perception sometimes within the business environment that employer branding is useful when you scale up. No, it's useful when you scale, whether it's up or down. It's your support system. Because when you scale up or down, your culture is under duress. Your culture is going to be challenged, which means your behaviors within the organization are going to be different. You know, they're going to be, you're not potentially, you know, you, you're not going to be able to stabilize the organization so quickly, depending on, you know, your, your, the pace of scaling. So because of that, your employer branding is supporting you through that process um, because it's basically culture is owned by employers. Uh, culture is at the core of your employer branding pitch when you go to market, and you need to represent your existing employees without, without within that pitch. You have to represent the company within that pitch. True, and yeah, because of this, is I would say it's <laughs> it's it's changed from from being a support function to a strategic function and to a driver of business growth now that may be a bit too optimistic we're still fighting the fight but let's let's hope in the future we're getting there we're getting to sea level i would say
1: that's that, that's <laughs> awesome yeah and like I say keep keep fighting the fight i think it's a nice way of putting it with you know the the fact that you're talking about it getting a, a seat at the board is great and you know that's that's where we hope it's going it's certainly been an emerging trend and it's, it's getting more airtime and more support and you know long may that continue mm. and so when, when, when you talk about it, like I say, you're, you're clearly kind of passionate. What is what is the what's the side of employer branding that you really kind of get you out of bed in the morning? Because I've sort of heard you talk a bit about data before. You're sort of talking a bit about kind of culture. You know, is there kind of one area that you kind of get really excited about or you know, how, how does it work for you?
2: I mean, I get excited about a lot of things when it comes to employer branding, but I think tracking and measuring is one big piece of it. Um, depending and I feel right now there's so much work to be done on that uh, on that front uh, for every company, honestly. I don't think there's a company that says, oh, I definitely have this nailed. There's so many gaps in in, and because it's so wide and broad and it gets, employer branding ends up being plugged into so many areas of the business and impacts a lot of areas. It's sometimes you have to figure out exactly within your specific company, what are the metrics that you're going to look at and what are the kpis that you can associate to that um so that is something that i'm passionate about i'm quite lucky in my role that my role has a very big component of recruitment marketing so recruitment marketing comes with a lot of data and we're looking at a lot of kpis a lot of volume you know cost per application cost per hire uh, time per hire all of these things are getting plugged into our uh, into our uh, business and then you know at the top of that, you come with the with the brand indicators. So I do work in an environment where I have access to a lot of data, but in the past, it wasn't necessarily the same thing. So I worked in different kinds of, of, of businesses and environments where you had access to more or less data. So you need to find your sweet spot, things that you're happy with, things that you can work with. And from and, and that you use it as a reference for your function to figure out, are you there yet? How much more do you need to, you know, how much more? And how much, how much more do you need to push? Um, I really do strongly believe that you have succeeded when it comes to employer branding as a function within the company when employer branding ends up being a work stream with aligned to OKRs and, and, and plugged into the roadmap of other departments. Because as an employer branding function, you don't own the employer brand. The company does. Yeah. The business does. So are the leaders... Looking at that as part of the responsibilities, or are they not? Or is it seen just, you know, you're a support function that's going to get plugged in when they need to hire and potentially do it quickly? No, that's a short-term gain. That's recruitment marketing. It's a different thing.
1: I, I can I can imagine there's there's lots of people listening, anchor, thinking, you know, I wish my business took it as seriously as you know, kind of the way you're talking about it. Have you have you got any advice for anyone who is? trying to sort of fight the employer branding fight and perhaps, you know, wishes their business did take it a little bit more seriously or you know they did get a bit more support. Any, any thoughts for those guys? If your
2: business really doesn't have this on the roadmap, if it's really not part of their strategic direction at all, I really doubt you're going to be able to convince them quite quickly. So, I mean, look, it happened to me in the past as well when we were going through different stages of, are we so invested in employer branding? Should we put the money? Should we put the money into this? Should we not? Should we maybe look more around recruitment marketing? And I use different types of data. So for example, in one of the previous jobs that I had, I was like, before you go to market, why don't we look at the recruitment funnel? And within the recruitment funnel, you need to fix that first. What's the story that we're telling at what, what stage of the candidate journey? What are the first few concerns that candidates come in with? Do we manage to dismantle those concerns and address them throughout the candidate experience? So before you go to market, sometimes it's easier to just, let's just say you go into a company, they have they don't have experience with employer branding, but, and it's also very tough for you because you don't have a tracking system in place to say, how do you demonstrate value? But if you look at your recruitment funnel and your recruitment, your recruitment process, you're going to have data there. Your ATS is going to give you that data. So look there and figure there and start with that. Say, look, before we go external, let's not you, you know let's not let's not be so 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 courageous up first. Let's look at recruitment and fix the candidate experience first, and then mm-hmm. we can go to market. But then it means all the conversion rates within the funnel are going to be are going to be supported, and you get you're going to get more people in or the right people in for the right reasons. So that's also part of employer branding. Um, I mean, if a company doesn't think they need it there's only so much you can do, honestly, then you probably need to find another challenge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Anyone listening who's struggling, get another job. <laughs> oh, but
2: look, the, the <laughs> average cost of hiring the wrong person at an IC level is up to $10,000. The average cost of hiring the wrong manager, even in a smaller company, it is $40,000. That is the cost of hiring the wrong people. And it yeah. has a ripple effect across the business. So you need to be very, employer branding keeps you honest and helps the company project its real purpose and intentions as they are, helps you be authentic, right? And that brings you, in theory, should bring you the right people in, which cuts costs for you. So, I mean, if the company doesn't see it, you can have that conversation when you're interviewing for the role. If you're not on the same page find another find another challenge yeah because it's, it's, you're, it's gonna be very tough for you you know they might see it later you love the brand you love the company but you feel they're not giving you the space fine come back later I'm sure they're that's probably nice. gonna, if they're going to be around in a couple of years hopefully they will you know with a good product and good management come back pitch them mm-hmm. pitch them the idea if you really want to get in
1: so, 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 I mean, certainly some of the useful things I heard throughout that was, what, one, you can be led by the data, right? So there's data there, take that, and, and you know, that can start to help shaping the challenge. And two, there is a clear business case, you know, monetize that business case, get that in front of the right people, and, that, and that's going to help. And if, if your company's not switched on to it, then go and yeah, go and get a, another job, work behind the bar, do something different, enjoy your life. <laughs> what, <laughs>
2: what, what would you do, anchor, if you weren't doing branding? Well, you? I mean, it depends. Would I still need a salary in that scenario? <laughs> <laughs> or, or do I have this? Uh, the, I have your the... dream job, doing anything. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Is um, I'd actually work with charities to help them brand themselves through and through. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And most of the time, they fail to attract the right professionals in roles like marketing, communications and brand. Because, I mean, we're spoiled for choice, honestly. So yeah. it's very, and there are no clear systems of giving back either. I actually looked around and I said, if I want to volunteer five hours a week or four hours a week, would I have, how would I go about it? And there's absolutely no opportunity for me to go and do this. And I mean, look, if if any of the listeners, they, they think they have this, I'm happy to listen <laughs> out as... Um, yeah. And another thing that I would do is I would actually work with um, um, teenagers, young adults on career coaching. I yes. think there is time to rethink our relationship with work, and what career means for the younger generations. We're we're working towards gig economy. I mean, gig economy has been around for ages, but it's gig mm-hmm. careers and portfolio of of challenges. So I think. I think if companies are not not as disruptive as they should with their workplace, when it comes to looking at how they engage the newer generation, I think the newer generation could push that. Yeah, definitely.
0: And then if you look back over your career at Anchor, what's one of the things that you think, you know, I'm really proud of that. You know, we smashed it out of the park from an employer branding perspective.
2: I mean, honestly, so many things. Um, But I think one of the things that I'm most proud of is managing to get into employer branding, uh, good marketers. I think for a long time, the function was, I would say, staffed with people who had a passion for employer branding, but they didn't necessarily have a communications background, which is still okay. But you need to you have to have a mix. And throughout my career, I had to recruit marketers that have never done employer branding, sometimes were suspicious about employer branding or recruitment marketing. And they were saying, oh, is this my, oh my am, I, am I going into something where I'm going to have to compromise my, on my craft and my ideas and my strategies? Is this something, is it big enough for me? Is there a future in this? Is it too small? So getting those people in and seeing them thrive within the industry, become advocates of the industry, become supporters. And now, you know, we're, we're all connected on LinkedIn. And I see them posting things from their new roles and their new jobs. And they're so invested in this. And it's like, OK, I remember a conversation five years ago. <laughs> you really had a lot of doubt. So it's kind of bringing these people into the industry with this background and this passion It's going to help us push the whole industry forward.
1: So, final question we ask all our guests. Do you have um, one tip you could share with anyone listening uh, who's, who's going into employer branding?
2: Well, I would say look at the data, whatever that is, even if it's and, and just find your set of, of data points that you have to work with. And that's going to show you if you were successful or not. And it's up to you. It's basically, we're kind of, I mean, we've been around for for some time now in employer branding, but in some aspects, we're still breaking ground. So you might come up with something that never thought, I don't know, somebody never thought about before, a set of data that you think, okay, for my company and my role, this is what I'm gonna look at. So first, figure what success looks like from a data point of view, and then experiment. Experiment, experiment. So by running all sorts of experiments, I think, and make sure you have uh, you, you manage to pitch that higher up wherever you are like if you're a more structured company you're going to find the next level that's interested in this if if you're in a smaller company just make sure you you get you get as far as you can to just pitch the findings that you have in your experiments and how that actually supports the business
1: thank you so much for your time today Anchor. it's been a it's been a, a absolute pleasure chatting to you uh really interesting and insightful so i hope you've enjoyed it too and yeah, thanks have... you for being on the podcast yeah.
0: Thank Thanks you so, so much, Anka. <laughs> great chat with Anka. I mean, what a huge kind of challenge, you know, employer branding at, at Amazon. I mean, it's just such huge scale.
1: Yeah, when, she, when she's talking about recruiting hundreds of thousands of people a year, I mean, talk about sort of pressure on what you're doing. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I and mean, when, you know, she it was funny talking a lot about the data, and that was, that was kind of what I was trying to get the amount of data in that kind of environment that you must be able to get coming in you know you've got how do you manage all of that it's going to be really difficult so she's i mean certainly got a, got a tough job there and um yeah i'm sure she's got to work out
0: well that wraps up uh, episode one season two of employee brands uh the podcast so see you on the next episode So si.
1: awesome great to be back carly see you then